drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello and welcome. You're still stuck in here with us. This is Season 4, Episode 3 of Drive-By Cinema. This is my co-host, Paul. Hi, good evening, everybody, and this is my co-host, Richard. Welcome, one and all, to Drive-By Cinema. Last week, you promised us on the podcast where we watch the movies so you don't have to. You promised us that you were going to do your homework, do some research, and explain whether anthrax is a fungal disease because it's transmitted in spores or something else. And thankfully, I can tell by the (laughs) tone of Richard's voice that he's done that homework for me. But are you telling me that you haven't done any of your research? I have done some, a little bit of research. Because it's not just you that you're letting down, Paul. It's all the people who believe in you. <laughs> Look, anthrax, I, I don't know why. It's also known as high porter's disease. But I don't know why they said it was fungal, because it's not. Or we, I don't know why. They didn't say it was fungal. Did they you say spores? Spores, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's just bacterial. Though. But the bacteria can make spores. And the spores can that. remain dormant in conditions that the bacteria wouldn't like to live in. Is that Which, just anthrax or is it bacterium generally? I don't know about bacterium generally, no. Oh. Certainly it is a quality of anthrax, which means it remains dangerous in soil. Which is why cattle get it. Like, I was reading about the symptoms and apparently it cannot appear for like four months on occasion. I think it depends how you contract it. Certainly, I don't think the film... The Power of the Dog, last week's movie, the way it depicts the very rapid onset, I'm not sure that's totally realistic. Mm. Although, I guess it was basically going into an open wound, straight into his bloodstream. So maybe? I don't, I don't know. Interestingly, they, they weren't eager to stay away from him, but that's because it doesn't typically transmit human to human, no, does it? No, it's not contagious human to human, no. Weird. But handling the hides and the bodies, the carcasses of infected cattle... And I suppose the dust that comes off it in the soil, all of that can cause it. And we know it was used as a biological weapon, wasn't it? They sent stuff around in the post, didn't they? After Sometime after 9-11, there was stuff like that going on, if I recall. Wow, didn't know that. Any other news to report, Paul? Any corrections you want to bring up? Not that I... Well, there was something, but I can't remember what it was, so. Don't let your important research go to waste, Paul. Spill (laughs) spill your beans, as it were. No, that's that's it, I think. think. Just to cite us in the grand sweep of time, the women's football team has just lost a World Cup final to Spain. Did you have a bet on, Paul? Just let me say it's one or two things. Sky News. Okay. They don't say lionesses. They say larnesses. The larnesses. (laughs) Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just how Londoners pronounce words these days. And also, they, in the same report, they didn't say bi- the newsreader really didn't say biology. She said biology. 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 Yeah. She said biology. Biology. And also larnesses. Larnesses. It's just a weird thing that's happening with diphthongs at the moment. Did you watch the match? I watched the end of it because, like, a Which BBC. End? Well, BBC said, "Oh, it's you know on eight thirty-five till one." 55. Oh, six hour window. Yeah, there's window. a lot of build up there. Six yeah. hour window to watch, you know, essentially what's going to be a one hour, 45 minute game. I had to guess, like, where's it going to be in that window? 45 minutes. And I only got the last I overtime. I only got the overtime. Nine, 12 minutes overtime or something ridiculous like that. Why was there so much extra time? 
Because it wasn't a draw, was it, at the end of full time? What do union bosses call Spanish practices at work? Or why they call Spanish practices, Richard? Racism alert. Uh, well, Racism they, I mean, alert. It, it, like, they, they used to call it Spanish practices, didn't they? They can't call it that anymore. Ah, right. Because it was racist, yeah. Because what does it mean, racist, though? What, yeah. what, working to rule or something, is it? Something like that. The Spanish flu wasn't even Spanish, was it? The Spanish flu wasn't Spanish, no, no. no. Well, it was called swine flu as well, wasn't it? Was it? But I think it was first discovered in Spain. So they got the ignominious title of naming the diseases after them. So I think essentially Spanish practice is essentially going slow, as you say, working to rule. And I think it's a quality or facility of uh, Latin football that they can really slow the game down. And one of the ways that Latin football does that is... Is through the pernicious wasting of time, isn't it? Ooh. The Spanish are famous for having a siesta in the, the afternoon when the sun is at its hottest. <laughs> Sensible. Just go and have a nap. Apparently it's no dying, the Spanish siesta. Well, if you work in an air-conditioned office, you don't need you don't to need take those siesta, precautions no, against no, the sun. Yeah. No. But they would, I think, get up earlier, probably, to catch the cooler morning. And I think they'd work later in the evening. So I don't think it me- means that they're uncommonly lazy. I just think it means they're managing their time better, doesn't it? Mm. And the French are known for taking longer lunch breaks, or they were. Again, that's probably changing. They're probably having a sandwich at the desk like every other Western country has tended to do, dropping crumbs into your keyboard. There is a reputation for Latin football. I, it is. It can progress at, at reduced speeds, can't it? They can hold the ball back around the midfield forever and ever and ever before booting it up. And also... Part of the skill, I think, is being adept in slowing the game down through time wastery effects kind of thing. You know, there's no future in our football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's complete lack of insight out, aren't we? You're asking, did I watch the game? Yeah, I did. Did you have a bet on? Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, okay, because you didn't know. That's the best way to bet, Paul. I only uh, I only, only realised it was like the the final, like when I turned on the TV or whatever. It's like, oh... Oh, really? <laughs> it's a media saturation coverage. It was a really good ending, though, because it looked like the ladies might score like one or two chances towards the end of extra time for the British team. English team. Excuse me. Anyway, uh, on, that, on that bombshell, <laughs> we, we better review a movie which will remain unnamed until after this music. Here comes... What is the name of this week's movie? And be careful. Oh, well, you've just taken my point away. I was the only thing I was going to say about this movie. It is named variously in different markets, okay? I guess we should call it Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Between room and tournament, there is a colon in terms of punctuation, not in terms of the word colon. However, it's also variously <laughs> named Escape Room 2. Yes, well, it is the secret. Deadly Game. Escape Deadly Room game. 2, No Way Out in other markets. But that's not what Netflix called it to me. This is a straight sequel. Yes. You might think that if you have landed on an Escape Room franchise, I mean, I know no one owns Escape Room as a concept, but if you're doing in a series of Escape Room movies, you might find it very freeing because you've set up a universe in which we know that supposedly loads of these Escape Rooms going on all the time apparently to satisfy 
the gambling habits of rich <laughs> observers. It's a lot like the Squid Game, isn't it, in that respect? It is, yeah. Did, uh, 2019, did this precede Squid Game? The first one? No, similar time, yeah. Similar time. So it's, it's a large sort of, they say, criminal organisation, Minos. Or Minos. Uh, no, Paul. Yes. Here's something that infuriated me every time. How do you say M-I-N-O-S? Minos Minos. I don't know. If you look it up on Wikipedia, as I did... Is it a moon? Or What? Is it a, is moon, it a moon of Mars or Saturn or Jupiter? No, it is not. No. It's from ancient Greek times, isn't it? It's from Minotaur. Minotaur. The King Minos, yes. Turned into a Minotaur. Maze, put a Minotaur in there. Consequently, you say it, Minos. That's what it says in Wikipedia. But it does also say in Wikipedia, you know, the little pronunciation guide at the top. The <laughs> contemporary, contemporary pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And it's got another alternative, which I presume, though I couldn't be asked to decode it, is Minos. Or some people say Minos, even. Yeah, I like to say hyperbole instead of hyperbole because it really annoys people. Look, I'm not a prescriptivist. I also like to say oftenly grammar. instead of often. But I think we should like say oftenly. I don't think of myself as a prescriptivist, more of a descriptivist. You know, I want, however people use the language, that's how we should write it down. But when we get thought. to that 60-40 split, we've got to recommend one of them, haven't we? Do we, re- just don't, do we recommend no, the rising 40% or the dropping 60%? I just don't understand the impulse to say Minos. Ah. What other M-I words or M-I-N words? No, that's a very good point, yeah. Do you say mean? I agree with None you. is the answer. Here we get to foreign, na- foreign capitals, don't we? You know, Kiev or Kiev, I agree. You know, during the invasion, we shouldn't pronounce it the Russian way. But sure. Paris can't be Paris, can it? I can't say I went to Paris the other day. We can't insist on knowing the pronunciation standards of vowels and consonants over 350 contemporary human languages, can we? <laughs> Because that's what, you know, it, oh, you should say Paris. But they don't know that. And they are now telling young people, millennials and uh, Generation Alpha or whatever they are, that the way you pronounce Minos is Minos. And it's very it's annoying. Uh, therefore, are you an Orwellian Frankensteinian or not? What, what's, what's that? <laughs> what's that? A Frankensteinian is a, is a person who insists that you can't use Frankenstein to talk about a monster. You have to use Frankenstein to talk about the doctor. An Orwellian is somebody, is somebody yeah. who won't let you use the phrase or well in adjectively to talk about a somewhat intimidating hostile governmental environment because that's not how Orwellian actually is in 1984 what what do you mean how is Orwellian well apparently Orwellian if you're going to use Orwellian to talk about 1984 the I was going to say the Kafkaesque but it's not Kafkaesque, is it? Okay, there's another one. Oh, here we go again. Here we go. The Kafka okay. fans will be. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it should only describe a specific kind of governmental control, Orwellian. Okay. The, the manipulative control of language oppression. Yes, rather yes. than just an oppressive government. Rather okay. than simply CCTV cameras. Mm. That's what people normally mean, don't they, when they say yes. Orwellian. And apparently, well, you, this is the point about adjectives. An adjective, depending, I mean, in English we used to have, you know, L-Y at the end, L-I-K-E at the end, S-O-M-E at the end, and W-R-O-T-H at the end of nouns to qualify them as different kinds of adjectives. So you could say Orwellian worth 
Orwellian-ly, Orwellian-like, or Orwellian-some, to indicate if you mean directly connected to 1984, or resembling in some kind of way. And at the moment in English, unfortunately, I'm really against Frankensteinians in the sense that adjectives can't be used just to talk accurately about something. They do also include to be rather like or to resemble something in their meanings. Okay. Just some straightforward examples would illustrate that, yeah? How we use that in every way. But I do think, aren't you a Frankensteinian, Richard? Do you object to people using Frankenstein to talk about the monster and not the doctor? No, and... Let's face it, everybody knows what the hell you're talking about. This is it. You know, at some point, if 2 plus 2 is meant by people to mean 5, then that, then, then we get two registers of mathematics, don't we? We get the common math register, and we get the rather advanced register, 2 plus 2 equals 4. And so you have, to, you have to accept both answers, I think, at some point, don't you? Depends where you put the brackets, doesn't it, apparently? It does, Pem, rather. PEMDAS versus... Pe- ah, but Pe- those ones they show in the Daily Mirror and the Daily Express where they say, how oh, can you solve this one? Most mathematics professors would say, our system isn't perfect. There are some that can be ambiguous, in actual fact. Oh, well, what people don't recognise is multiplication by... What's the word? Implied multiplication yes. by just juxtaposition. Yes. Is usually a much higher precedence than other stuff. So when you say like 3x, that is normally done first. Yes. You wouldn't do... 3x plus 2, you wouldn't do x plus 2 and then times it by 3. No. It Although implies a bracket around 3 and x, doesn't uh, it? Yes, it does. Yes, exactly. It's a parenthesis. But a that rule parenth- isn't written down, you see, so... No, and apparently I saw a YouTube video where this uh, YouTuber was doing it on different calculators and charting how the different calculator companies have followed or not followed, not followed PEMDAS yeah. or yeah. PEMDAS, whatever it's called, with the implied multiplication. And how it's their prerogative, some, their silicon chips, they, their house, they can do it how they want to. Is my, my as long as they are consistent and they tell you how it's done, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, there's reverse Polish notation, which I suppose is designed to get around a lot of these problems. Do you know, I was, was going to get a reverse no- Polish notation Texas instrument calculator. And I didn't. I went for this instead. Oh. Which is just... We should do the PEMDAS test on it, see what it does. Put in one of those stupid PEMDAS questions that everyone... So I went for a keeps... Casio FX991 EX class whiz. Cheap. Great. 25 quid, 30 quid. But I, the Texas what Texas Instruments, I, I, you know, they look really impressive, the Polish notation graphical calculators. But... I mean, you might say, what do I need a graphical calculator for? What do I need a calculator for? It is just quicker than Excel to do your probability distributions on a calculator still, and your binomials. Okay. <laughs> this podcast, sadly, not yet sponsored by Cassia. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Do you so, know, we're a long way down a rabbit hole here, Paul. Let's go back. To where this I got started my rant. No, yeah, yeah, let's go back to this movie, Quad Richard. Where I started my rant, which was... Minus. If you are working on a series of movies about escape rooms, you might think that it would be a huge advantage knowing that Minos are running these separate escape rooms for yeah. all these multimillionaires betting on you, that you can just start again with a whole different crew and sort of repeat the first movie but not have to like deal with the baggage of whatever happened in that first movie. Yeah, like you wouldn't have to bring in three people from the earlier movie, would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wouldn't need to worry about negotiating their contracts. 
yeah. uh, you know, paying them more, or having to write a complicated story that doesn't make the slightest bit of sense to work them into the story this time. You could just start with a whole with fresh skins, couldn't you? Yeah, a whole new crew and just do it again. So weird, you might say, that in this movie they decided that it had to be a direct follow-on. Brave and decision. <laughs> the other thing is, it tends to highlight one of the big. I think we made this point last time. One of the, the big discrepancies between this film and actual escape rooms. Now, I know that you said last time that you'd done escape rooms in Chinese. Humble brag. Yeah, okay, we get it. Paul. That was not a humble brag at all. You can do puzzle games in whatever language you happen to be in, even without Latin alphabets. No problem for Paul. That is just, that is outrageous. He's even humble bragging about his humble bragging. He's so was, he's telling us that he's brag. so modest. He didn't even humble brag. That was look okay. It wasn't a humble brag. You're asking me where have I done them? So you want me to lie about it? No, you could have just said yeah, I've done. Of course, I've done a, an escape room, Rick. You could have just said that, couldn't you? And I, I might have said, well, what theme was it? And you might have said, you know, oh, it was like fifth century Chinese terracotta warriors theme or something. I don't know. Right. Okay. So, what's your point? Your point is what? How many, people, how many people were in the escape room with you? It was a really did? hot day. We went several times. I, I didn't ask him that. Okay. There wasn't aircon. There wasn't very good oh, aircon right. in the cheap kind of... So you were highly motivated to escape. We were, actually. <laughs> it was like, oh, God. So we did it several times for team building. And I think... We split into teams of about... Until you finally gelled. <laughs> well, until we finally melted into each other in the heat. It was I have to say, it was better than the Laser Quest, but it wasn't as good as that Japanese restaurant where they cook on metal plates in front of you. Teppanyaki. Is it Teppanyaki? Yes. We should go to one, Paul. There's, a, there's one here in Manchester. I love Teppanyaki, okay. And like, I, and that was kind of my suggestion. Is Do we have to do all this active stuff? Coming up, just go and have teppanyaki instead. Right. But after, yeah. all this, but how, after all this how game many room people? nonsense, you know. I think we split into teams of six, but it was a big company or is a big office. There were about 70, 72 of us, so they kind of had a sure. good day. Okay. So in your team of six, yeah. just like in the movie, and you're all working together and solving these clues, aren't you? How many people made it out of your group of six alive? What do you mean Alive. Alive, you know, how many people died during your escape room experience? None of us died during the escape None room. None of us died, yeah. right. So how did they know who won out of your team of six? Surely only one person. We played together. You played cooperatively? Yeah. But Paul, I've seen two of these movies now. It's clear to me from these movies that the way an escape room works is that it effectively is only Picture one person can escape. Yes. Yeah. There has to be a moment where in you fact, get to in the second who movie, we get lots of ironic kind of signalling, don't we? About in what way? Don't be another cystic. Remember, five out of six people will die. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get all these kind of posters. You know, back in the nineties, this was a big thing, wasn't it? Like ironic referencing and foreshadowing, using props and signs in the. You've just got a word for this. In the actual movie environment itself, was it worth that, Richard? You used it the other week. You mean diegetic, maybe? So, diegetic signs. Would that be a fair way to talk about it? I don't know whether. I think that only applies to the music, but I'll. You know. Oh, right. So, but here we're talking about the, uh, the explicit, our explicit idea of narrative intruding into the sceneries of the movie. And they did a lot of this, like it was in fashion, 
in 2021. It plainly wasn't. It's not that it was done to death forever. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, there was lots of that, wasn't there? So. so it seems weird to me to take a fundamentally cooperative puzzle-solving experience mm-hmm. and to try and turn it into a competitive gladiatorial. You're right. It's not a skate room, is it? It's... I mean, obviously, escape rooms have a competitive element. Like, mm-hmm. can your team of six beat the time of all of the other teams of five or six or whatever that have been doing the same escape room? Can Maybe you we should call it, like, Hunger Games for Nerdy Introverts. <laughs> it's like taking golf and making it a death match, isn't it? It's, just, <laughs> it's not how it works. <laughs> At worst, it's giving a very weird impression of the sport or the pastime. I mean, here, why don't you take a weapon and kill everybody else in the escape room? Would you therefore get out? No, you can't do like It's not going to help you get out of the escape room yourself. So somebody, Some of the puzzles need more than one person. I so the engineering, the, you know, they've got to work together, but somehow people die. Because the puzzles, and this is, you know, we get to how well the puzzles are designed here and why they're so well designed at the end of this movie, big revelation. But the puzzles are so well designed that people will okay. just die as and when they're meant to. And only some people will survive. Last movie, we had two survivors at the end, didn't we? We had Zoe and Ben, Ben, who managed to get out of their horrific escape room experience. No, you were saying, wouldn't it be good if they were now in a mental institute, you know, dealing with their (laughs) post-traumatic stress disorder and not being due to appear in this movie? Unfortunately, they do reappear, don't they? We know from last movie that they've got some kind of coordinates to go to in New York. Yeah, it was like a TV series. They kind of reprised the ending of the last movie, didn't they, weirdly? It did. We got a recap, which you don't see that often in movies. No, it made no sense, though, because it was two minutes long. I mean, it's like, what the fuck is all that about? I remember watching that, but it didn't make any sense. Ben is holding a torch for Zoe, clearly. Zoe's not that interested. He's, no. He's very much friend-zoned. I don't think he realises that. And Zoe, although she's keen to see an end to the Minos organisation... Well, she's, he's not a Chad, is he? You know. He's not a Chad, no. He is not in her league. Sorry for introducing incel vocabulary there. Okay, he's not a Chad. I don't know what the equivalent of a female Chad is, because she is, like, she's pretty hot, isn't she? She is. At which point, I should say, she played by Taylor Russell. We saw her in the first Escape Room movie. We also saw her, Paul, in... Yeah. Another movie in our vast range of drive-by cinema films quite recently. Did we? Yes, we did. You're going to have to put me He's drawing a blank, yeah. In our little escape room, you're currently failings. But let me help you, because it's cooperative. She played Marin in Bones and All. I think it was called, the character was called Marin. Bones and All, the one where she, she ends up eating people. She's the star in Bones and All. She's a star in Bones and All? Finally recognition. <laughs> Opposite Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, yeah. No way. There you go. A link. Yeah, I should have realised I've kind of suppressed all memory of that movie, Richard. That's my defence there. Really? Yeah, that was quite disturbing, that movie, wasn't it? Well, they are also dealing with trauma, aren't they, from the first movie, as you say. But Zoe is too afraid of flying to go to New York. And the reason she's afraid of flying was one of the backstory things we got in the first film. I think her mum died in a plane crash. But she's got her locket or compass or something. So guess what? She's seen a psychiatrist not to deal with the horrific ordeal she went through. Yeah, but, she's, but to try and but to try to, to get over a fear, fear of flying. flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, we there do we see her at the therapist. It comes up later, doesn't it? Yeah. The therapist says, everything in your life is a signal, is a cue, is a clue. Yeah. Like this book called Free Will is a clue. <laughs> Mysteriously. Kind of says, oh, time's up. Got to go. See you next time. What are they going to New York for, Richard? They're going to try to discover the Minos Corporation. Is that right? Yeah, they've got coordinates of another Minos site. And Ben, who I think you and your incel friends would describe as a simp, Paul, <laughs> he, <laughs> he offers to drive her. No, there are names. There are names for these different kind of different qualities of men, different schools of men. Like Chad is like your high scoring. Todd is like your seven out of ten. Well, he's a beta cuck, isn't he? He's like ben. he's a he's a three out of ten. There's a name for them. They give them a name. He offers to drive her clean across the entire continent to New York. Well done, Ben. Which they do. She won't let him smoke in the motel room again. He's completely under the thumb, isn't he? Such a sin. Yeah. He has a nightmare, doesn't he, in the ho- about escaping the hotel room? Yeah, and guess what? He wakes up and it's just a dream. I thought, gosh, they're really trying to cram it in. This was within about twelve or fifteen minutes of the movie starting. I was thinking, oh god. Like, and they arrive on a very budget-conscious New York trip where we don't really see anything about New York. No, we don't. They didn't even afford, a, like, a helicopter flyby of all the major buildings. They just come to a chain-link fence down an alleyway. It is straight away, yeah. We don't... Yeah, but the budget was only 50 million, I guess. If she's a star of Bones at all, then a lot of that would have been spent on some of the actors. On her. Yeah. Yeah. She wriggles through the chain-link fence immediately... And then gets robbed by a vagrant who's hanging out in this apparently disused factory. Takes her mum's locket or a little bracelet or something. Yeah, it's the important heirloom, the memory of her mum. No. Almost as if that vagrant knew it was special to her. Yeah. You might and think. also if he knew that they were going to chase him down the subway into what essentially is Harry Potter's platform nine and a half. Yeah, they go down into a subway. He manages to... I didn't work out how he did that. He manages to lead them onto a subway car, and then he gets out when the doors close and waves at them. So he's evaded them. But it's on a special platform that takes them elsewhere. So we're in this universe. We're expected to believe that, yeah, they guaranteed that they would chase that guy down into the subway (laughs) and wind up on exactly the right subway train, on exactly the right subway car, with... What turns out to be a load of significant other passengers in the back were- passage, or in the back, excuse me, in the back compartment. <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. In the back compartment of this subway train. Yeah, yeah, because the train moves off, but very soon things start to go wrong. Yeah, and now can I just say, carriage- okay, we're going to find yeah. out who dies, what, and where. Did you think they got the order of death right in this movie or not? It was a burning question for me. Like, did the did the people die in the right order? I think they died off in increasing order of acting ability. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. I was about the first guy. Wow, okay. Now, there were six people writing, essentially, four people on the script, two people on the story. Wow. It, they did it like an escape room. They probably locked themselves in a writer's <laughs> room. Said, Who gets leaving? the first good idea can leave first? Yeah. <laughs> So, wow, like, like are these six people, who came up with the idea to include three people from the previous movie? I don't know. Maybe they were told to do that. I don't know. But, yeah. Well, what we so learn, I would what say we learn th- as, well, as the rear carriage disconnects from the train, I'm going to use the word detrain, because that's a word, and starts careening off 
down a side tunnel, because the points change shortly afterwards, we learn that all these people in this car are all previous champions <laughs> of Minos escape rooms. And so they've all, they show their scars and say, yeah, look, look, I was the only one that got through and everybody else died, you know. Oh gosh, is it traumatic? And then the guy, like, who looks like he's on loan from Fast and Furious kind of thing. It's he like, is like walked, a low-rent Vin Diesel. He's yeah. walked into the wrong movie set kind of thing. I have to say, as an actor, I think maybe he's come a little bit early to lead roles. <laughs> that might be advised. So who have we got here? We've got the alcoholic priest. A very young alcoholic priest. Quite young. Obviously, we've got Zoe and Ben. We know them. Zoe and Ben, we- that's three. We got the kick-ass fiery redhead. I don't know what she does. Is she a well, Pilates just, just, instructor? Let's just call them by their appearances. So Pilates redhead here. And then we've got the guy who dies first. No spoilers. Well, it is a spoiler, but no one cares. A guy who the most surprising thing he said was that he had a wife. Because I would have put money that he wouldn't have had a wife. <laughs> I'm always because, late for the meeting. Oh my god, we're going to be late. For, I'm always late for the meeting. And then he like starts crying. Because he realises I mean, he's back in the game. Is he wearing a sleeveless denim jacket? Or am well, I yeah, imagining something it? like that, yeah, yeah. This subway car runs up against the buffers. It's another train term there for you, Paul. And apparently connects to a power grid thing. <laughs> which well, then look, electrifies... Look, it doesn't just run up against the buffers, does it? It slams into them and isn't oh, there, There's a bit of an impact, yeah. There is a bit of an impact. Well, it seems to suffer no defamation at all. They all get flung forward, don't they? So, like, ever since that really terrible crash in, what, 76 in the London Underground, they've made the crash buffers much Soft. more like the uphill runaway runaway train slopes that you get for lorries in the US. Oh, wow. Like, much more progressively absorbing of the energy. But well, this, this is just a straight steel... thing you'd do, This you? is a straight, straightforward steel buffer, wasn't it? I wouldn't claim to be an expert. There was no, there was no crumple zone here, was there, in the buffer? No, but again, we're expected to believe that the Minos Corporation have organised an entire sort of <laughs> siding of the, <laughs> the New York subway. But wait train. a minute, not just in New York, maybe in thousands of locations across the world. <laughs> it's franchised, yeah. So it's connected up to the electricity. A, a strange kind of magic electricity happens inside the carriage, which constantly threatens to electrify them in but ways But it connects to what we call the pantographs, doesn't it? Rich. That's a tram terminology for you. Pantographs are on top, but it, and it, these well, connect wait, underneath. Connect, no, it connected something on top, didn't it? No, no. Oh, that we were looking at the underside of the underside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. At least I think it was the underside. Well, it was all magical and blue and electrical, wasn't it? They were saying, "Hey, it's like it's oh, it's now all completely charged." Well, one, it's a Faraday cage. Yes. Well, it's earth, very heavily earth. So I don't I mean, really know what's going on, on there. It's sitting on metal rails buried into the earth. So very soon they would adopt the voltage that whatever the metal was at anyway. When it's convenient for the writers, it isn't a problem, isn't it? Zoe identifies in the front of the train. There's she a, does. A I mean, it's, it's, it's grounded, it's not grounded. We can touch it, we can't touch it. There's a slot for coins. She says, oh, you've got to put the coins in here. Oh, and she goes... To touch it, oh, it's fine, it's earth, earth. as you say. It's grounded. It's the grounded. rest Unlike of the train wasn't earth and was very dangerous to touch, particularly the poles. And then later when someone throws somebody's keys, <laughs> the keys get fried in midair. 
What was that about? And then the next set of keys don't get fried in midair. That's because he touched a pole, wasn't it? No, I think the keys touched the pole, but they still wouldn't fry. Like birds can land on electricity lines because they're at the same voltage as the wire. It's only when you make a circuit to ground, for example, that you're going to electrocute yourself. So they figure out that there is a puzzle in this train. By the way, the puzzles in this film, Paul, could you... I like this first puzzle. Because it was, one, ridiculously easy, and so kind of averagely kind of lateral, wasn't it? They find a suspicious bag, because there's an announcement or a sign saying, look for suspicious bags. It's got a handle in it, lets them open the door so they can get to this... Now... Oh, wait a minute. Okay. So this is another thing. So they've just been shocked. So he says, wait a minute, I've got a leather belt. I think it is Nathan or Theo's leather belt. Okay. So they slot the handle into the driver's room or whatever you call it and open the door. Then they're puzzled because they've got to touch some other things. The loops. Well, I guess I'll explain why. They don't elect to use the leather belt to do that. (laughs) Strange. It's one use only, Paul. Writers have forgotten now. So explain what, what, explain what the puzzle is. They've opened it up and they see a slot. They also see, slots. They also see a sign that says all false ads must be pulled. And so they work out that there are adverts, as there are, down the subway car, mm-hmm. and there are hanging straps, handles. 26 hanging straps. Yeah. Next to each of these ads. And they have to figure out which ads have got missing letters. Yeah. And then I think... It's not difficult to work out. They're missing letters, you know what I mean? I think that you then pull the handle that corresponds to the letter and then a coin will fall out and you can put the coin in the slot in the driver's seat. Safely, because it's earthed. Because it's earthed, yeah, that's fine. There's Um, a time limit and as the time goes down, the electrical sparks get more and more flamboyant within inside the carriage, yeah. The guy who does die and somehow miraculously has a wife finds missing letters, but as he's finding them... He gets electrocuted because oh. it's what would happen in an electric subway car, I suppose. But you don't need to find all the missing letters because as Zoe works out, it starts to fill out a message on one of those scrolling displays. Welcome back again. And it's clearly the message, welcome back. So she manages to figure out the final three missing letters. Yeah, the rest of them fucking didn't. Did they? <laughs> Can we still use the word remedial? I mean, crikey. W, B and O are the missing letters. And when they do that, a hatch in the floor opens up and they all jump into a, a space underneath which turns out to be a caged elevator. Yeah, it's like, oh, sinking feeling, gosh, we're back in this terrible franchise again. Okay, so, whew. Oh, Brianna, the other girl, is an influencer, Paul. Yeah, and it, Rachel's like group that she survived consisted of people who cannot feel physical pain. Oh, yeah. And Nathan right. was the only one of six Catholic priests to survive. What? Oh, oh, in his group. In his group, yeah, original yeah. group. Yeah. I wonder if Brianna is a, a Dubai porta potty survivor, like a lot of TikTok influencers. Tell me more. Have you not heard this? It's the latest thing about TikTok influencers. You know, going around the world, travel blogging, and they're you know showing themselves in swanky pools and bars and restaurants and stuff. With yeah, cocktails. there's a dangerous one, which is going in an infinity pool on a lilo. Oh, wow. That is pretty dangerous. Float right <laughs> over the edge. But you'd be fine on the lilo, wouldn't you? As long as you kept underneath you. 
Well, the lilo will just go right over the edge, won't it? I think it's cool. Yeah, as long as you keep holding it, you'd be okay, wouldn't you? Well, you'd go over with it. Yeah, but you'd land on the lilo and be fine, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, yes, yes, correct. <laughs> That's my advice, Paul. Keep unless holding you, your lilo. Unless you have, like, cat DNA built in where you just rotate yourself <laughs> the right way around and then the lilo will be above you. <laughs> but what, what, what's the porta potty think? So, you imagine you're a you young... You see all the, the airline toilet in 40,000 feet and with your bum... No, it's much darker than that. It's much darker than that. So imagine so you're a young, a young, attractive TikTok influencer or whatever with loads of followers. A rich Arab Living guy... Living a life in Bali, £25 a night. For a a nice rich Arab guy so. contacts you and says, hey, I'll fly you over to Dubai. I'll pay you 20000 50000 $100,000. All you got to do... Just come promote my McLaren. Is spend some time with me in... You know, my, my fluorescent green McLaren, yeah. And what happens is they go over there, they wind up in a sex party where either they have to shit on somebody or they have to be shat upon yeah. by a rich Arab. It's not the guy. worst thing in the world, is it? I mean, well, depends, doesn't it? This big scandal at the moment, Dubai. Well, if you're coerced into it with drugs and drink, I guess it is terrible. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I imagine you wind up in Dubai. And you've been paid all this money. But if they say, you know, if there's no escape room, there's no drunk or drugs, they say, hey, yeah, I've kind of got you here on false pretenses. Like, I just want you to shit on me. Do you mind? <laughs> and you went along with that. I guess that wouldn't be too terrible, would it? But if you're being shat on, treated like shit, and then chucked in the ocean or whatever, because you're filthy afterwards, then it might be a humiliating experience. But you get thrown in the ocean. That's a story. I mean, there's all these stories and rumours by people who no one's ever actually interviewed. I think it must happen. As you say, I think there are plenty of people who do it kind of willingly. One of the stories is an airline flight attendant. She's there in the galley with her mate and a mate who's also a flight attendant. And her mate is yamming all of this like granola and stuff saying, I've got to get my fibre down before we reach Dubai. She says it several times during the flight. The mate eventually says, well, why are you eating so much fibre? And she says, you know, I'm being paid 20000 Dollars to, to shit on a rich Arab. <laughs> no way. And her friend starts doing it as well. There you go. Dubai Porta Potty. Now, the next escape room was the one they... Obviously, the writers spent a lot of time just making it... Let's make it as good as they possibly can, right? Okay. And it's their big set, yes. It's no their big set, isn't it? They spent all the money on this second one. Which I think is, is right, okay. You need a second... Well, they would say, go pop with your first one, actually, and then it doesn't really matter about the rest. They don't pop with their first one, do they? The, the train is just weird. and It's a scabby right, subway so. train, isn't it? With, yeah. With CGI well, this is spots. a very, very impressive bank vault, isn't it? It's an Art Deco bank with a big vault door at the end of it and a big tiled marble floor with black and white checkerboard squares on it leading up. And somehow they've got to get out through going through the, the through vault, the vault. lock. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense isn't it? Because when you're yeah. stuck in a bank the place you want to get into is the vault. It's That's the clearly, vault, yeah. Clearly the exit. Yeah. But there are some indications with weird words and knowing words on the wall to indicate that's what they need to do. And the only problem is, that as soon as you step on one of the tiled floor tiles, then a, a grid of laser beams pops up and if you're anywhere near them, they'll just cut you in pieces. Yeah, they're not they're not to detect laser beams, are they? They're, they're, they're powerful industrial lasers that will slice you in two. That's right. For some reason I, that I didn't really pay attention to, they find a bunch of little kids' lollies, some of which have keys. Well, the lollies are there straight away. 
At the beginning, yeah, at the start of the bank. Yeah, they're just entrance. there because you get lollies when you go into the bank, don't you? Do you? And some of them, some of them got keys. What in, bank so do you, you go to? You get free, free <laughs> mints or whatever. When you were thirteen, opening your first bank account with a for a piggy. No, bank. no, like you know, <laughs> the banks they got those free mints, haven't they, on the counter? Sure, I guess so. Not, so in America, not since they must COVID have free lollies. <laughs> yeah, they must have free lollies in America. Well, they find Anyways. a key in the lolly, don't they? Well, several keys, yeah. These keys open safe deposit boxes, which yeah. are, just like any normal bank, just behind the counter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got confused. I thought we were inside the vault, and for some reason they'd put the lock on the inside of the vault and we had to get out of the vault, you see. By Anyway, it doesn't make sense, does it, where the vault is and where the, where the security <laughs> boxes are. None of it makes sense, but it doesn't matter. Okay, so they open up a few of these and we get somebody's name, don't we, or something? Sonia is named on one of the boxes, yeah. Which, of course, if you'd remembered the first film, would probably have given you a clue or something. I don't know. Who the they fuck open another box and razor-sharp diamonds cut the hand of Zoe, who's opened the box. Yeah. Then uh, there's a message about blood money, and they put two together. They've got to put blood on the, the money. empty notes in the other box. If I had to blank, I would, I would pick up some of those razor-sharp diamonds if I were them, no matter if I was about to die or not. And uh, the blood, obviously from PH or some other thing, reveals like lemon juice, a secret message. It's in... a pin number. It's a pin, pin number printed on the banknotes. And they think, so, well, we're out of it. Okay, all we've got to do is put that pin number into... The ATM. The in ATM the machine. Yep. And they Which don't they get do? out. It just gives them another message. Oh, it gives them another clue. This Which time is fairly for... not cryptic. It's fairly straightforward. It's like you've got to do something. Well, this time to... it's for crossing the tile laser grid area. It gives them directions in, according to the clocks on the wall. That's which... right. And they work out that's north, south, east, and west. A number of and steps. And the priest is really, really clever. He does a Hansel and Gressel thing. Yeah. He puts down sweets. Yeah, that's right. Memorize. He marks the safe tiles to walk on. You could tell that was the writer's big idea here, wasn't it? <laughs> so they reprise Hansel and Gretel quite, quite intriguingly and quite, quite effectively. He only gets halfway, though. Someone else yeah. has to work out that, from a clue about money making the world turn, never let it stop, that they have to, to... keep turning the vault lock. There's a safe, a small safe. They keep undoing oh. it, and they pull out the, like, the core... And there's a tube. There's a map in the tube. Nuclear and the tube, map yeah. is a map of the tiles you can stand on from the middle to the It's end. transparency, like an overhead transparency. You put it on top of the map of the, the, the tiles on the wall, conveniently. It shows you the way out. And guess what? It's a real pinch gathering time because Zoe's reading the map and telling them where to go. She's only got five seconds to get out. And she just gets out in time. They get out into a, into a little cave that's inside the vault. That's right. And the right thinking, occurs. oh, fucking hell, we're only 30 minutes in. How can we have two or three more escape rooms after our big idea? We've got no ideas left. A cave-in occurs, so they've run out of the cave, and now they emerge onto what apparently is a beach. And the writers are like, oh gosh, we can't actually think of any clues, so let's just make this one trippy and freakish kind of kitsch, and let's just make it weird. So it's not a real beach, it's an interior done up to look like a beach with a fake sky and stuff. And it's got a little lighthouse... And a little crab shack. They took a photo with a Polaroid camera. Everything flashed nuclear like an atomic bomb. And it all turned into a postcard, didn't it? So it was their big idea here was to make it all freaky and weird and like, wow, man. Pretty quickly, they start sinking into the sand on the beach. So quicksand is the danger here, not mines as they imagined. 
It's like liquefaction. And uh, I think Rachel starts sinking. She gets sucked under. She is swallowed up. Okay. But Nathan ties a rope around his waist, jumps, jumps in after in to her. find him. He rescues her, but the rope gets cut by, I think, a little child. This is the second time that Nathan has been foolhardy, isn't he? Because he's a little bit foolhardy in the previous room. He's, he's trying to make amends, isn't he? he yeah, he's guilt. him and over his other five priests. Yeah, and, and his alcoholism as well. He wants to yeah. make amends for his sins. So he's absolved. So what, how's the rope get cut? A little charge goes off in the rope, like it had oh, been so planted the, there. Right. Oh, so they knew they were going to use the rope, or they knew that Nathan was going to try and save other people. Brilliant. Okay, that makes sense, doesn't it? They all be down there to get an anchor out. Why? Because there's a map of a boat somewhere where the anchor was, and they used they put two bits together to, to make get the into the crab shack. Paul. That wasn't difficult, was it? Looking two parts of a metal detector to detect something metal underneath the sand. So really, this one isn't really anything like a puzzle, is it? It's just a joke. So he goes to the top of the lighthouse, looks through the telescope, which is at the top of the lighthouse, and sees a message in a bottle that says, I can't see you, S-E-A. Very clever. Oh, gosh, right, okay, cryptic. And, of course, that tells them to look in the mannequin, for, which has seashells for eyes. Yeah, on the, the freaky kitsch, kitsch mannequin that doesn't have any eyes, yeah. And we get another Sonia message, do we, or something? I don't know what we get. No, they find a plug for the fridge... And the fridge is how they get out of the crab shack. But yeah, not before Rachel tries to put her pain-free hands on the old-fashioned ring hob. That's right. Cooker. Yeah. She burns herself, but she doesn't cry out. Can't feel and it. Brianna clocks that. She's, she's smart, isn't it? But What's it all got to do with jumping in a fridge and climbing down a hole? I don't know. I guess it's to make it exciting and think, oh, they're going to manage to do it. Inevitably, they manage to do it. Weirdly, Zoe finds an alternative route out, doesn't she? I don't know how she finds it. She figures out that next to the lighthouse is a fake moon on the wall, and she's got a, a tool that she can unscrew the fake moon, and she finds a tunnel leading behind the moon. So she's trying to convince the rest of them that this is the real way out, not the fridge. Oh, God, this is terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> and yeah. Brianna hesitates on the threshold of the fridge. Rachel decides to go with Zoe. Ben lingers to try and persuade Brianna, but Brianna runs through the fridgeway. And as Ben is crossing the sand to get to... Oh, no, he actually falls from the top rung of the ladder on the lighthouse, and he lands That's in right. the sinking sand and disappears forever. So only Zoe and Rachel get out through the moon, and Zoe's asking her how come you can't feel pain, that kind of stuff. And they wind up out of a liminal kind of backroom space... They climb out of a manhole cover into a virtual New York street. Oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> and in the virtual New York street, Brianna is already there. So she got there quicker than they did. Apparently. Weird. And she knows what the game is about. Now, they don't actually waste any time at this point, like having them work out what the game is. Isn't it convenient that Brianna is already there five minutes ago so she could tell us and them what they need to do. That is to avoid the acid rain that's falling down. It's not just acid rain. It's not just dilute sulfuric acid. It's concentrated sulfuric acid. So it dissolves everything. But they can... Yeah, and, and of course, doesn't make it difficult for them to breathe. Never, at any point. <laughs> they can hide Somewhat under... incredibly. Just what? Just nonsense. They hide under the awnings of fake shops. And they eventually... Yeah, there's some trick where they got to pull the awnings out. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. 
there's a point where they have to get into a phone booth. Yeah, but it's on a route for two, and there's some weird thing where there's a little umbrella for the third person. They collect some acid in a bottle, don't they? And then pour it on the lock. the lock, yeah. Get in the phone phone box. They collect the acid in the only (laughs) plastic that the sulfuric acid won't attack. It's actually HCL, Paul. They say it's hydrochloric acid. And they're finding some, like, chlorinated... Are you sure about that? Yes, sir. Yeah, because they're looking for a certain kind of PVC, and because it's a chloride-based plastic, it won't react with the HCL. For all I know, the chemistry is perfectly perfectly fine here. (laughs) Well, I mean, presumably the fumes would be overpowering, wouldn't they? (laughs) So Zoe is left outside with an umbrella. She opens the umbrella to shelter from the acid rain, and it says pawn shop on it. And they look over at the pawn shop, and... I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, like, have you ever been in an escape room where it says, oh, look over there, and there's the answer? Kind of, yeah. I mean, there are some cheesy really? elements to some escape room designs. But, yeah, but look- not the best designed escape room ever that's going to predict what people will do so that we can collect men and... Other people, as and when they either do or just don't decide to help other people in the game kind of thing. I mean, look, the puzzles are basically nonsense. and We perhaps shouldn't spend too long on them, should we? Because mm. basically, Rachel and Brianna get dissolved by the rain while Zoe goes to <laughs> the bottom of a car, winds up in an attic in a toy space with Sonya's name in wooden bricks. And who yeah. emerges from the other room? Amanda. From the previous movie... And Sonia was her daughter, which was her sad story. And they blackmail her into designing these games. So she's the games or the room designer. That's right. She'd been recruited. Because we thought she died in the first movie. She fell. But apparently... She comes up with a phrase, doesn't she? What? What did she say? If if you didn't see it, it didn't happen or something. I don't know what it was. (laughs) It stuck with you, though. But it's the idea that is Ben dead? No, he's not dead. No, he's not. He's stuck in a cage right behind Zoe, and she turns around. It's a glass thing separating them. It's about to start filling with water. Fills with water. Now it was strange that they put him in a cage, like you know, with holes in it, and started filling it with water, because I mean, if they put him in like a glass box, they would have needed much less water, wouldn't they? It just spread out in whatever big room he was in. Very wasteful water of the Minos Corporation. That's all, that's all I have to say. Right. It's made of metal, and uh, Zoe comes up with the idea that when metal heats, it deforms, and that will make it leak quicker. Is no, that- but the front is glass. So her plan is... She- Expand the metal and shatter the glass. She pulls the gas pipe, feeding the little gas fire in the attic... Off the wall. I don't know why they would have put that there, but nonetheless, she pulls that off the wall. Yeah, and, and then lights it with a zippo that she's been carrying around. She happens to have, yeah, and then sets fire to the wooden structure that this Room stage is set made. is made of. Yeah, it makes the glass break, so it does work. All the water comes out, and Ben is. It freed. makes the glass break because she's expanded the metal. Is that the basic principle here? Or it heated the glass and made it. No, Shatter I'm pretty sure that she said that principle was she was going to expand the metal cage. Okay. <laughs> That's the principle, fine. Okay. But I don't know, well, would that work? But, I mean, if it was tightly against the the glass, maybe. Maybe. 
Anyway, the, the room is absolutely full of water. And I think Amanda or someone notices it draining behind one of the fake walls. So they smash their way out through the wall into another of these liminal spaces behind. And they manage to escape into an alleyway and leave the whole game. And they go immediately to the New York Police Department. Yeah. And then we see a TV report explaining grim criminal enterprise, four bodies, arrests made, and some kind of special agent turns up and says that there's plenty of evidence. No, the, the director said, okay, when you turn up to talk to them, like, be a little bit creepy. Like, a bit more <laughs> creepy than the special agent would be. Like, almost like you're an imposter. He hands her her mum's locket, necklace, locket, her heirloom, which she's she's apparently found. With your name on it. And so Zoe and Ben fly back home. She's got over her fear of flying, apparently, by now. But as she's on the plane, she wonders, hang on, how is it that easy? And how did the cops find her locket so quickly? She gets up to go to the bathroom, and she sees someone, an old lady, sitting in a seat in front, holding a pen that she recognises from her therapist. Because that's how we recognise one another, isn't it? We recognise the pens that we always use. Also, she's reading a book called Free Will ah. that was demonstrated along with the pen at the same time. And the person who might be the therapist, but I don't think looks like her, stands up and you hear her saying, what would it take to, for you to get her to fly? And she says, knowing that the criminals were caught and it was all over. That's right. So I think the idea is that this has all been a setup that the therapist did to cure her up for Paul, help me out here. What's happening? No, 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 Is this no, a no, Minos no. Corporation? No, no. Well, that would be a very, very, very well, well-heeled well therapist, wouldn't it? Okay. So, well, presumably, therefore, it was all hypnotically suggested as imagination. That's, that's... Well, it's all in her head. Is that what you're saying? Well, this could all be Phoebe outside. This is Phoebe the bag lady, ideas of friends, isn't it? You know. But, no, I think the idea is that Minos Corporation have set up an escape where they think they've escaped and therefore, as well as the Metro, which is completely fake, they've, as part of their game lab, they've set up an escape route that looks like the real world and lead them into what they think a is fake a real plane. police station. Oh, a fake a police fake station. fake police station and a fake plane. A fake plane. That, that seems pretty plausible, yeah. I can buy that. <laughs> I buy that, definitely. <laughs> right, mm. okay. Look, the idea of it is an escape room movie. I mean, the thing about... I like puzzles. I like doing puzzles. I'd love a mechanism to do a puzzle collaboratively. But, you know, you have to find someone at your level, don't you? Because if you try to do a puzzle with someone who's very clever, they just do it, and you go, what? Can you explain that, please? And if you try to do some, a puzzle with someone who's, you know, not got your same interest, shall we say, then you just do it too quickly. And they go, I didn't understand. Are you good at crosswords, Richard? I'm terrible at crosswords. Well, the thing I simply about, don't have the patience for them. The thing about a crossword is, a cryptic crossword mm, has a standard kind of yeah, vocabulary. Yeah, it stops being creative, doesn't it? It's not really lateral thinking anymore. It's just a set of rules. Yeah, there's certain words that mean you've got to do an anagram for this bit. Mm. And the phraseology and some of the ideas, you also have to learn a specific crossword setter's mode, their, their mm. tone to start to gel with them and understand what they mean when they write something. And once you understand that, then I think the crossword becomes a lot easier. 
Did you ever do Pokemon Go out in the real world where you went searching around for stuff? Is that a puzzle? No, but did you ever do <laughs> I never did Pokemon Go. But you once introduced me to cards on the internet that were a bit like Pokemon Go, but were puzzle-based, where you had to ah, go and yes. find a plot of treasure according to some internet-based cards yes. that were physical in a little silver packet, like a space yes. packet. And I'll try and remember the name. I'll have to go and get them shortly if I can't remember. But yes, I know what you mean. Like puzzleology or something. Or So yeah, Rich is into his puzzles, has to be said. But it's quite difficult to translate the thrill of doing a puzzle mm-hmm. onto a medium like a film, isn't it? Because Well, particularly when three of the scary rooms are so shit, it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, none of these puzzles really make any sense, do they? No. The second one I thought the bank was maybe the strongest attempt to recreate the whole kind of lateral thinking insight that you need in a in an escape room. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they get actual escape room designers to try and help win them with, with the movie. And I wonder what, as an escape room designer, you would say if the people who make this movie come to you and say, can you help us? <laughs> so, so mm, yeah. I, mean, I have to say, I support the whole franchise. I think the idea of trying to make an escape room movie, it's very brave and very fun. Quite refreshing. Uh, the first one was a huge hit, wasn't it? It made ten times its production costs. This but one was why? okay, even who, during lockdown. Who is watching these? Because I don't know, but it was escape room it, you enthusiasts know, it, are not going to appreciate, it, are they? Because this was not- released in the middle of lockdown or whatever. Did in Australia because you know the the theaters in the US were closed down. It's made on sixteen million. Came back with sixty five million. So you know people wanted more of whatever it was they liked in the first one. We have to we have to. Confirm that. But who are they? I don't know. Okay, well, who directed this film, Paul? Vin Diesel fans who want something a bit more sort of cerebral. <laughs> but not much more cerebral. <laughs> I don't know. Who directed this film, Mr. Fact Dump? There he goes. Scurrying away it. to Wikipedia. I did, no, I had it written down, actually. No, I wrote down the writers. Right, okay. I wrote down six writers. I didn't write down who directed it. It's Jason somebody, isn't it? No, it's Adam Robitel. Oh, right. A name to conjure with. I, I'm sure you know it well. No. Because he did another movie that we watched relatively recently. <laughs> what? He is the guy behind The Taking of Deborah Logan, the dementia horror. <laughs> no, no. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he's not afraid to sing for his supper, is he? No, whatever that means. Well, he's not afraid to do jobs that he might not necessarily want to do jobs, do his jobs in order to make money. Well, you, you think you don't think the taking of Deborah Logan was very much a passion project of the director? <laughs> oh, potentially. I don't know. I don't know who else you would get to make that kind of thing. So, Paul, shall we rate the acting? Let's rate this movie. Let's do it. Okay, you made a very, very perceptive remark. They died in order of acting ability, <laughs> which is, you know, that's that's a great kind of Mendelian approach to it. Isn't it? <laughs> so, wonderful. I mean, generally, Zoe, played by... Taylor Russell. Taylor, yeah. Taylor, yeah. A competent and convincing actor, actress, actor, I would say. The rest, 
She does a great chewing a bee face, which I have to commend her for. Ben, character Ben, convincing, I think, in terms of character, but as you say, a bit of a washout as a character. Gonna give it, therefore, 6.25. Oh, I'll go for seven. I see you like the acting. A broad range of different acting abilities on display. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was inclusive and diverse in terms of ability. Sure. It was not it was not acting ableist at all, was it, in this movie in terms of its approach. So let's talk about plot, Paul. Plot and <laughs> general credibility, believability. Okay. Okay. I just love the idea that Zoe explained this huge criminal organization that, you know, just happens to want to be perversely cruel to people randomly, you know. It's almost like an urban myth about flashing headlights at cars going the other way, isn't it? It's that kind of <laughs> It's that kind of ridiculous that, yeah, I'm happy to run with that. The idea that they've got these essentially essentially stacked ships, modular shipping container escape rooms, stacked thousand upon thousand, all sort of skinned and bookended and wrapped in sort of virtual reality or augmented reality reality, realness, realness rather than reality, is just unfathomable isn't it and then this weird kind of like all-knowing super powerful aspect of the minds corporation which we get more of this time introduced at the end of 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 this movie very similar i think to the maze have you seen the maze series which was like a spin-off of the hunger or like riding the tales of uh, the hunger games it's not part of the hunger games is it? i think it but it's no, like a competitor re- product yeah as it were they did exactly the same thing. At the end of The Maze, part one, it was like, oh, we get to see the back rooms and these cruel people that are doing this to us kind of thing. So it might have had some influence on that. Okay, all that is laughable. What I didn't like about this one compared to the first one is I think the escape rooms here are worse. They're worse conceived. They're just not escape rooms. And so for that, I'm going to have to score the plot down to, unfortunately, five. I think the first one was supposed to be a kind of horror. And yeah. I think it's a sort of watered down torture porny. Because, you know, it s- is. I don't like the cruelty. I don't like the precept that we're going to enjoy cruelty as an audience. Yeah, the, the, the first one. It's kind of assuming that we're going to enjoy seeing these people suffer, isn't it? I don't really. But the first one has all these, you know, these sad backstories that are somehow the driver or the impetus for the tortures they're being put through, yeah which is a little bit like the saw but it was kind of wishy-washy and watered down because it's not i mean the first movie it's is certainly pleasant anyway isn't it I mean, the first movie's not super gory but it does yeah. have an element of sadism about it but this one it, it doesn't really retain that anymore that's kind of gone there's not almost no gore in it anymore no there's just this idea of shadowy control it's, it's yeah. become also a conceptual it's become more BD than SM, hasn't it, really? It's menacing, sure, perhaps, and it's a bit sinister, but there's no gore or horror left in it. So mm. it's a horror movie, maybe from a horror movie franchise, with all the horror washed out of it. And now we're just yeah. left with puzzles, question mark. <laughs> and a well, we're, rather... left with, we're left with a countdown clock and spent every 12 minutes, essentially. The yeah. movie. No, every 14 minutes, you know. It doesn't really work, does it? Yeah, it's like watching an episode of The Crystal Maze where, you know, <laughs> you know they're not really struggling, the just actors. 
Yeah, I, I can only give it a four for plot. Whoa. Right. Okay, I think we have to do some sort of effects, don't we? Special effects? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was the electrified train. Terrible. Uh, the... <laughs> The what else? The bank vault, you know, the laser lights, the, the weird bank was all right. postcard kitsch of the beach. I quite like uh, that. The set design, production art stuff. Yeah, I was like, I thought that was it. So let's include that. So set design and FX. Okay, finally there was the doll's house, the attic with a water system made of glass <laughs> next to it. <laughs> Okay, which is which is weird. Okay, so how about all that? How would you score that, Richard? Because I'm not going to say much. I'm just going to say I quite like some of that and quite hated a lot of it. I'm, so I'm really conflicted about what to give it. I'm going to give it a six. A six is where I am too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. Let's not say any more about. We could, you know, it's just conflicting, isn't it? Some of it's good. Some of it's really terrible. So final category has to be escape room puzzles. Yes, puzzle, puzzle, puzzleosity, puzzleosity, escape room. And I'm sorry, I, I <laughs> compared to my memory, the first, I think this has to this detracted somewhat. What was the Spanish one we watched that was really mm. tried to give us real puzzles? It I gave real memory. puzzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just the antithesis of that, isn't it? I mean, they, they just. They've tried to say, how many different twists can we put in each room? Let's have three or four things that people don't expect, the actors don't expect, the audience don't expect kind of thing. And it just repeats, doesn't it, ad ad infinitum? You know, there's going to be three cruel twists to each room. And it just wears thin. I'm sorry, it's going to be a 3.5. I feel bad. It's more it's a knockout than Time's Tournament of the Mind. Thank you. There we go. Yeah, Three, three, or, you know, Wipeout USA... When that, they're running along and that thing suddenly knocks them off the ledge <laughs> and they fall in the water kind of thing. It happens three times in every room, doesn't it? Unexpected twist. So I'll what give it a for? four. Yeah. Huh. Overall, then, I mean, it's quite lighthearted. If you want to see Taylor Russell doing his stuff a bit more, I think there's a third one coming, by the way. So yes. buckle up. Which we have to review at some point. It's a five, perfectly average, I think. Do you know, I mean, I, I did knock some of those things, okay, but you liked it, it is quite an enjoyable movie, <laughs> okay? It is quite an enjoyable movie. I'm going to go as high as six on this one. I would give it a six if they didn't say Minos all the time. That's where, there we go. That's where yeah. they're losing points. Be aware, producers and directors, don't introduce a pronunciation pronunciation. pronunciation Bugbear in your movies, yeah. No, Paul, it's I don't mind mostly. I mean, you can say Riesling or Riesling, I don't care. <laughs> I did happen to set up a company with ah. long-time listener and occasional guest. I don't know. He's not guested, has he? Andrew, we set up a company called Minos. Oh, in who, the who lost 90s. whose money? I don't know. I think we all lost our shirt. <laughs> uh, it was before. Well, did you lose before Sony's time, money? Before the did you lose anyway. Sony's money? Sony, no. Oh, no, sir. So it's just personal, that's all. Paul, next week then, three oh. movies. Yeah, you've got to choose. Okay, I don't have I to believe. choose. I chose this one. You pirate. Oh, Christ. Yeah. I mean, I know what I would choose if you gave me the choice of. Okay, the three. throw it at me. Give You're, me your best, Rich. Well, tell me what the three choices were. Maybe there were four choices. Yeah. 
One of them was Lamb. I know that much. Okay, Lamb. Icelandic. Two was Upgrade. Weird. Upgrade, yeah. Three was Born Rich Documentary. Documentary? I've done a documentary this season, yeah. Fourth was not available. It was either going to be Border or Teens in the Universe or something. Neither of which we can find. Yeah. Neither of which we can find. So, I mean, I would be going for Upgrade, probably, if you were giving Good. me that choice. Is that what you're going to do? I'm giving that choice. But, I'm, but you're choosing. Oh, I'm choosing. Yeah. Well, why are you going to read it out then if I'm choosing? <laughs> it's all part of the magic of the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Whew. I really want to watch Born Rich, but I just I just checked it out. It's only an hour long and it's a documentary. Although we try to do a, a documentary occasionally. Do we do one on Basildon and we've not done one since? <laughs> so I think those those portents are enough to say let's not do documentaries. Even, so I'll watch it in my own time and not concern or bother you with it. Okay, so therefore it is going to be Upgrade. So upgrade. Hope it's more AI, I think. AI, AI. Yes. So, next week we'll be reviewing Upgrade. Thank you for listening this week. And we will now yeah. release you from the escape room. Okay, ciao for now, but see you in the next games room. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you.